All right, here we are. Review the news, episode 39. We have a very, very special guest uh, from William Patterson University, a uh, political science professor, uh, Stephen Shalom. Uh, just a quick background is uh, he has his bachelor's degree from MIT, master's from Northeastern, and his PhD in uh, political science from Boston University, which is where our favorite congresswoman uh, went to university as well, AOC. Shout out to AOC. We, we love you. Um, uh, and uh, <laughs> holler, holler anytime you want to come on the show, AOC. Sorry, for, sorry, Professor. You just have to get that in there. Um, and, uh, uh, just before I, 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 continue, um, uh, professor, where, where are you? I know you used to write on, I know there used to be Znet and, uh, are you, are you still writing for, uh, new politics? Are you involved with new politics still? You want to just give us a quick update of, of, of where you're at? Um, I'm still on the editorial board of new politics and I, uh, write for them, I do interviews for them, and I edit. Um, so I, you know, help collect articles and, and so on. Um, one of the reasons I was glad to be retiring uh, at the end of this semester. Congratulations. Uh, because, thank you. Uh, is because my writing productivity has declined. Um, I was much better able at, to double task, multitask, uh, when I was younger, um, but now I'm hoping that I'll be uh, writing more um, now that I don't have um, all those blue books to grade. Yeah. Um, well, I know mine probably used to be the your most favorite to grade uh, when you had. Well, a... yeah. So I, I I used yours. I graded yours first always, <laughs> and then I said, okay, anyone who's better than this will pass. <laughs> <laughs> Very simple. And I wish, now I wish I went to college. <laughs> um, well, I was going to say, uh, Professor Shallon probably hated the fact when he would reread uh, my blue books, he would say, I just saw this on Fox News. So why do I have to read it again? <laughs> anyway, um, that being that being said, so um, I guess, uh, yes, congratulations again on your on your retirement. And uh, I think um, I think we'll just. I'll just start off with the question. So um, I guess, uh, so you, uh, what was it like to be the only uh, professor in your department to vote for Donald Trump in 2020? Well, I suspect that um, in New Jersey, uh, Donald Trump, didn't do very well. So the fact that probably no one in my department voted for Donald Trump is not proof of the left-wing conspiracy controlling higher education. Um, I think uh, uh, people with a certain level of education across the country were unlikely to vote for Donald Trump. Um, and I'm sure that was reflected uh, in the faculty at William Patterson and in the political science department. Well, on a, a more serious question, I, I would say from your view of, of this election in 2020, um, not, not the 
not the QAnon nonsense of like gun battles in German cities and, and a secret moon base that they're storing, you know, ballots and things like that. Do you do you think this election um, because of COVID and some of the quick decisions that were made by the individual states that there that there is a chance of, of voting irregularities? Or do you think that's that's totally blown um, out of proportion? Well, I think um, there actually were a lot of people who were denied their right to vote in this election, uh, but they weren't the people that Trump is pointing to. Uh, they were precisely uh, people who were likely to vote against him. So let's take an example. You have a state like Florida, which has a policy, which had for many, many years a policy that disenfranchised one third of the African-American uh, male population in the state. Okay? I mean, th this is uh, you know, something you wouldn't Im imagine going back to the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Okay? And basically what they said is, if you were ever convicted of a felony, okay? and here's what that might mean when we say convicted of a felony, okay? You're caught with a marijuana cigarette. They say to you, you could go to trial, but if you plead guilty, oh, you, you could go to trial, but you might not come up for trial for two months, so you'll sit in jail, or you can plead guilty right now, zero jail time. Yeah, what People would you say, pay? sure, yeah. okay? And boom, you've just lost your right to vote. Okay. So the good people of Florida knew that that was a very undemocratic practice, and they voted in a, in a referendum, right? This is in red Florida. They voted in a referendum by a two to one majority to give these people back their right to vote. Okay? When you finished your jail time, your prison time, you are, you've, you've paid your debt to society, you are entitled to vote. Well, the Florida legislature controlled by uh, the pro-Trump Republican Party couldn't allow democracy to prevail. So what they said is, ah, but you've got to, you you can have your right to vote, but we're going to pass a law that says you only have your right to vote if you pay all these court costs and these other fees that will be very difficult for poor people to pay. Now remember making people pay money to vote. That's the poll tax. That was another thing outlawed in 1965 in the Voting Rights Act. But Calif uh, sorry, Florida passed that um, and, uh, and the Florida Supreme Court said, uh, and guess where the judges are ideologically, said, sounds good to us. Okay. So, a huge number of people were denied their right to vote in Florida. And I think if you look at a number of other states, often the states that are now trying to tighten voting restrictions even further to make it more difficult to vote. So you have states where the central political authority decides how many voting booths there are gonna be in different places. And so if it's a pro-Republican area, they get 
lots of voting booths. And if it's a Democratic leaning area, the number of voting booths was drastically cut down. So what does that mean? It means, yes, you have the right to vote as per the Voting Rights Act, but you've got to get online and you might have to wait hours and hours. And we all know that if you're really committed, you'll stay for hours and hours. But uh, the hope is if we discourage the Democratic voters and make it really easy for the Republican voters, that will give them an edge. Um, and so there are lots of things of that sort that are openly acknowledged. You know, th this is not uh, um, something that, uh, you know, you can only read in a, uh, a left-wing journal, okay? I mean, you know, the, the Florida Supreme Court dealt with the, uh, the felony disenfranchisement issue, okay, and lots of other, so that's, that's one issue. Then there's the whole question of gerrymandering. Okay? There are a whole lot of states where more people voted for Democrats for the House, but more Republicans won seats for the House. Well, how could that be? You know, that doesn't seem very democratic. Well, the way that works is because you draw the district lines so as to maximize the chances for your party. Now, it was always sort of hit or miss in the past, but now with uh, computer modeling where you know how, you know, each, you can move the line two inches this way and turn that many votes into that district, you know, all that kind of maneuvering. Um, and uh, Democrats and Republicans try to fudge the, the, the district lines to their advantage. But the Republicans have been in control of uh, enough state legislatures that they have been able to give themselves a great advantage where one, you don't have everybody's vote counts the same. So that was a, a long-winded answer to your question. Um, but I think that's the more accurate picture of what was wrong with the 2020 and the 20. Uh, 12 and the 2016 election. All of them were elections based on the 2010 census and the redistricting that took place then. Sir, I have a question. Do you think that would be the difference in Florida between 2020 and let's say the year 2000? Because in the year 2000, obviously it was so controversial 20 years later, Trump won at least by a point or so in Florida. Do you think that uh, made the difference there? Uh, it, it, it's certainly plausible, right? I mean, you know, we don't know. How, some of these people might have decided that even if they had the right to vote, they weren't going to vote. And of course, we don't know how anybody's going to vote. But um, for the same reason that the Republicans went out of their way to keep these people from voting, I suspect that had those people been able to vote, um, Republicans would have fared much worse. Whether it would have been enough to, to tilt the balance, I, I can't tell you. Well, how many felons are in Florida? 
geez, Louise, <laughs> I mean, if that's going to overturn, turn in a, like an electoral college vote. So there's a few things Donald, I want to. Donald I wanna, Trump's in Florida, isn't he? Yeah, he's in. He's in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, there's a few things to unpack there, because I think I think all four of us could agree that someone getting caught with a marijuana cigarette probably shouldn't have a felony on their record. I mean, I I don't I'm not necessarily an advocate for, um, you know, legalization of marijuana, but definitely decriminalization of marijuana. And the fact that if you are to get in trouble with it or be driving with it or something like that, treat it as if it was, you know, if you were drinking and driving or anything else like that. Right. Which we don't unless you murder somebody, you usually don't get if you get caught drinking and driving, it's usually not a felony. It's a misdemeanor and they have, you know, programs and everything else that you can, you can go to. So first things first, I think that if that is truly what's happening, um, yeah, I think that probably needs to be revisited in the sense that you're going to get a felony, which is the same thing as if some, if you commit like armed robbery or murder, um, obviously it's a different type of, of, of crime. Go ahead, Neil. I want you to keep that thought. I want you to keep that train rolling. I would just like to say that, in, in my opinion, that thought in and of itself is a whole issue. Yes. We have a whole week about that. Right. About what, what, how, what they've, the, the penalties for marijuana have done to like the, the family, the American family over the last, you know, 50, 60 years, 70 years. So. But, but you see, so th there's another, another whole issue for perhaps another time um, is this whole question of, bail reform. And the reason this is relevant is because if you are arrested for some crime and you are innocent and they tell you this is the bail you need to pay and you can't afford that bail, you might end up sitting in jail for more than a year waiting for your trial. And so you might show up in trial. In the first five minutes, they propose, as, as Gary suggested, well, maybe we'll uh, you know, just put you into this uh, training program or do this or do that. But the point is, you had to sit in jail for a year to get yeah. to that point. Yeah, and so that's why my property tax is ridiculous. So they can feed the feeding, you know, take care of these people for a year so for some bullshit charge but so but so what often happens is they come to you and say look um your charge carries this sentence potentially you've been sitting in prison for six months if you plead guilty we'll let you off with time served if not, you're going to sit in jail for another six months. So that Isn't, undermines the whole yeah, logic. Say, speed, what about a speedy trial, right? I mean, are, don't we have a guarantee to a speedy trial? I mean, that's not doesn't sound very speedy to me. Uh, that, that's true. And uh, and so one of the arguments, I, mean, I don't know if uh, the uh, West Coast folks know, but uh, Neil may well know, um, New Jersey passed um, a bail reform act that basically said um, we we shouldn't be using bail as a as a hammer over the heads of poor defendants to pressure them into uh, 
into pleading guilty. Well, yeah, because it sounds like part of their part of their big the bigger their biggest crime is like not having the money. Really, it's like that's a bigger deal than whatever bullshit thing they got arrested for. So they don't have the money to get themselves out of it. Yeah. So, um, so New Jersey was um, a, a pioneer in this regard, and a number of other states have now um, followed suit. And what's interesting is some of these criminal justice reform efforts have actually brought together left and right. Well, didn't Donald Trump sign um, a couple of? Yeah, uh, he's. Yeah, because he had right. spoken with and he had uh, he had. Um, what did he do? He either pardoned or rescinded that. Uh, what was that lady who had gotten kind of caught up with all the cocaine and everything like that? I can't remember, but that yeah, was. Yeah, so part I mean, his... uh, so I mean, he was uh, playing it for publicity, sort of the number of non friends of his that he actually pardoned was actually quite quite small but he did sign because it was a bipartisan measure um some criminal justice reform measures uh so there is um there is a basis for uh bipartisanship um on that um but but the bail reform in general uh has not is not federal um, this is state by state, and it tends to be blue states where it's happened. Well, I, I think, again, there's a couple of things. I think that it should be a, a state by state issue. I think most of our most of the things in this country should be decided on a, on a state by state issue, because that's the original intent of the federal constitutional republic. And I think these states can lead the way and show other states that perhaps those um um, decisions are either going to be, uh, you know, good or bad. I mean, I think it's the same thing I, in my respect is like when other states do abortion restrictions, it should be based on the state, right? I mean, the, that's where most people live. And then the federal government in, in theory should be more of like an arbiter between states than actual pushing down law. But that's a, that's a whole different thing. I want to stay on topic here. Um, so, so, so let me just say one quick thing about that. Because sure. I don't, I don't accept your um, uh, ab- abortion point. That is, things should be up to states. But if state practices violate basic rights in the Constitution, then it seems right for the federal government to get involved. And so, when the um, when the Constitution talks about your right to a trial and your right to a speedy trial, you yourself said, right. um, this doesn't seem like a speedy trial. So let's say, so let's say, uh, pick a state. Let's say Oklahoma said, um, uh, we interpret speedy trial to mean uh, within four years. I would hope the federal courts would step in and say, sorry, Oklahoma, you're denying your citizens a basic right that every American ought to have. Well, wait a second. Well, wait a second. But let's say they put that out to a plebiscite and the people of Oklahoma voted that the definition of a speedy trial is four years. Are we now going to say that their democratic choice is undemocratic? Well, we're going to say that. um, Right. So the, the good people of Mississippi might have voted at various points in history 
to reestablish slavery. And yes, we are going to say um, your plebiscite is not the highest moral value because there are certain important values entrenched in our constitution that even a local majority cannot override. So if if well that local, I mean that's a that's a slippery yeah the slavery thing is easy right because everyone goes oh geez yeah I'm not going to vote for slavery but that's a slippery slope because we're not talking about um, I'm just thinking if we extrapolate on this logic I'm not talking about slavery slavery isn't easy that's that's to me that's a that's a slam dunk but I'm talking about if the people of Mississippi again go to something that is a little bit more nuanced say a time frame for something or let's let's let, let's um, um, take about like school funding or education or things like that. Um, what you see is these activist groups come in and use the federal courts. And then it winds up in a federal jurisdiction all the way across the country that they're making decisions that people locally would, you would argue have more knowledge, more information, more, all of these other things. And, um, and, and, and now, well, it's like, well, it didn't go the way we wanted. I mean, that's basically how gay marriage, they got gay marriage through, because even in California, which is the bluest of blue states, I guess, outside of New York, voted against gay marriage. And then they went and court shopped it and then they brought it to a gay judge. And he was the one who helped, you know, establish overfall. So, I mean, uh, but, but it went to this. It went to the Supreme Court. They didn't court shop beyond the Supreme Court. Well, right? beyond the Supreme Court. Right. But I, I, at, at that point, certain states had made decisions for that were recognizing and not recognizing and things like that. But my point is, is all this kind of started when California had that plebiscite and the one of the one of the states that they thought for sure they would get that through. Right. When the state said no, it was all of a sudden it was like, well, the people are wrong. And that's and oh, so oh, I, 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 look, let's 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 see where we agree. OK, we agree that sometimes the rights of American citizens, your right as an American citizen, trumps any local majority, right? So a local, you agreed in the case of, of uh, slavery, that was a slam dunk. What if Mississippi said, we wanted to have segregated schools? Okay, that was a hundred years after slavery, okay? But, okay, and the court said, no, even if a majority of Mississippians want to do it, um, that's no good. And we, we have an ongoing, I agree with you that there are many issues that should be left up to states. So the question becomes in, in which situations are we, is it a case where someone's rights as an American citizen are being violated? You raise the point what about your right to a speedy trial? Okay, so um, I, I could imagine the Supreme Court saying, if, if this came to the Supreme Court, uh, in our hypothetical that Oklahoma is saying four years, right? I could imagine the Supreme Court saying, look, uh, we're not insisting on every state has to have uh, do this the same. It's not one size fits all, um, but four years is so extreme that that seems to us like it's violating um, the rights of uh, Oklahomans who are also American citizens. 
and have rights as Americans. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, that's when when I look when I look at something like the the hypothetical Oklahoma situation. Uh, again, I just I just what concerns me is more of a and I'm more of a states rights guy. And it's interesting because I'm not I, I know you, um, in previous episodes, I'm not a pro. Um, I've been very critical, I would say, of uh, the police and, and policing in the United States general, maybe not from the from like a BLM perspective, but from a different perspective. Right. I mean, my my the the question I have is when you go into a court and let's say you manage to argue with the judge, even at a municipal level. Right. And you're like, I wasn't speeding X, Y and Z. You have in your local law that uh, speed, you know, speed limit sign needs to be every 1000 feet. There's in this stretch of road, there's 3000 feet. Yeah, I was doing 40. That was the last sign I seen. And now you're telling me it's 25. There's no sign for another thousand feet. The judge goes, oh, you're right. I go, OK, I win. I walk out and they go, oh, wait, you still owe us one hundred dollars. And you're like, for what? You know, like for what? And then and then they, you know, how they always dress it up, right? It's court fees. It's this, that. It's admin stuff. It's all this. But it's like, you know, to the point of I could see where the bail stuff is an issue. Now, the other the other the other side of the bail, um, which was kind of how we got in this in the in the first place is I think most people when it comes to bail reform are scared in the fact that you have recidivists that would benefit from these bail reforms that actually are not the one-off innocent people, right? Because we always use the highest common denominator. I'd say it was like always like Bob Smith was innocent. He got railroaded for murder. He was in jail for 30 years. They found the, the one, you know, note in the guy's locker and he should have been free 30 years ago. And we always are like, well, yeah, but Bob Smith, when you look at like on a percentage is such a small percentage of the Bob Smith's that I think that's where we have to be careful because even in something in bail reform, which I think we could find agreement in, in that kind of support, um, both on a right and left um, in that kind of dichotomy, I'm more worried about you're going to bail reform people that probably need high bails and need to be behind bars before they wait for trial. And just to kind of say, well, sometimes poor, innocent people get caught up in that. Um, again, it's about protecting the entire community. And yeah, I mean, it is unfortunate. And I think, I think when there is malfeasance, I think when someone who's, in, who's innocent and I mean, that's like, even with all the trials and things that's happened in the last year, I think that's why we have a, a system. And I think, I think if police and judges and people are doing the wrong thing that they should be, uh, I have no problem with them being investigated and them going to to trial and jail themselves if they're if they're violating if they're grossly violating people's rights. But I mean that's yeah, so um, New Jersey actually um, looked at the data after their first year of bail reform, and they found there was no statistically significant higher level of. Uh, of crime, recidivism, you know, any of those things you might be concerned about. Um, it's, it's only one year, you know, and then COVID came. So, you know, all the data is uh, uh, atypical and uh, we don't know what it means now, but uh, um, at least so far, uh, the evidence show, I mean, because 
they, they're not saying everybody just gets out before their trial, okay? But what they're saying is, we're gonna make a judgment based on community safety, and we've got these um, algorithms to, you know, work these out and give you a score. And if you think the score is wrong, you can, you know, raise an objection uh, before so we're the judge. So we're letting Google decide who gets bailed oh. and who doesn't. <laughs> um, so it's it's uh, it's not Google, but th yes, there's. I know. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So there's some algorithm, but the point is, it's challengeable. So if a prosecutor thinks, uh, no, no, uh, this person who um, the the algorithm says would be pretty safe to let out. Um, here's what we know, or here's why they're not, um, they can raise that um, before the judge. And so after a year of doing that, right? So some people said, well, I don't think it's gonna work. Um, well, so far it's worked. Well, I, 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 I wanna kind of get back to the original question that spurred this, which was the, okay. the, the 2020 election. Yeah. And um, I don't know, have you followed any of the the current audits in Arizona? I think they're getting ready to start the audit, uh, an audit in Georgia. Um, and I know they're talking about an audit in Pennsylvania, although the Pennsylvania is going to be, I think, a harder road to hoe um, because you have the executive um, branch of the Pennsylvania government is still in uh, Democratic hands. Um, but for someone who, uh, you know, I would think is all about transparency, you know, auditing votes is, is with um, all um, parties able to attend and view and watch. I mean, that's something that, I mean, you, you'd be for, right? Well, the election was seven months ago um, and eight months ago. Um, and, uh, the election results have been certified. Um, and uh, so if you said, because of my belief in transparency, could we go back to the 1960 election? We should and, do that. Yes, absolutely. Nixon should have been president. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I actually um, believe uh, Nixon did win that. Illinois, Chicago was uh, troublesome. But that's my well, opinion. It seems like the, the best evidence now is that um, the number of votes that Daly stole in Chicago uh, more or less matched the number of votes that Republicans stole in the uh, non-urban areas of the state. And, that and, and Nixon got some information to this effect, and that was why he didn't challenge it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. So this isn't a. I don't take this as a partisan thing. This isn't a. This isn't like the Republicans don't cheat in elections because during, during um, uh, Reconstruction era, I mean, they counted federal troops. They allowed federal troops to vote outside of their own. No, that. But that's that's pretty sneaky, Gary. Working in the Re Reconstruction Republicans as 
Republicans you're willing to push off the boat, um, right. right? But those are Republicans who you're happy to disown. Well, I'm just saying I'm, I, I, I'm saying that I'm not uh, I'm not adverse to the fact that Republicans may cheat in elections. That's all I'm saying. Right, but I'm, but, you know but I mean? the only time they do it, but the only time they do it is when they are the left wing party. But uh, see, I I would disagree with Gary on that. I actually think Republicans up until the 60s were uh, well early in their um, in infancy. They were the uh, party of. Uh, voting rights and uh, that was that's why Lincoln was uh, not um, he's the first Republican nominee first I'm sorry first Republican president uh, that's why it caused so much controversy uh, going uh, forward to the 20th century um, my personal view is the Republicans until the 60s and we can argue after that they did a pretty good job oh. with uh, trying to restore voting rights. Um, you know, the Voting Rights right Act kind of is very controversial in that way. I think Gary and I would probably disagree a little bit. But um, yeah, yeah, I think uh, I, I, I just, uh, just find it interesting. I just wanted to cast my dissent a little bit on that. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're certainly you. right. That is Republicans, um, were um, more in favor of civil rights than the Democrats that controlled the key committees in Congress um, up until 1964. Um, and uh, um, so it wasn't that the Democratic Party as a whole was anti-voting rights because um, uh, the Democrat, I mean, American politics is these strange coalitions that form parties. And so the Democrats were a party of Northern labor unions, Northern liberals and Southern segregationists. And that all shook out starting in 1964. So, you know, Goldwater- oh, is, is this the Southern strategy? No, no, before the Southern, that is Goldwater won in addition to Arizona, his home state, only the Deep South, right? And so, um, and the Deep South was solidly democratic for, uh, since, uh, since the Civil War um, because uh, of their opposition to civil rights. And then starting in 64, the South went Republican and those Democratic, you know, those Jesse Helmses switched. Those Jesse Helmses who were the, because of seniority, were the heads of all these important committees and therefore could block civil rights, became Republicans. Yeah. So, so here's the question, but so let's go back to your original question. Okay. You asked me, Gary, um, as someone who believes in uh, transparency, um, why wouldn't I be in favor of relitigating the 2020 election? Um, so relitigating elections and oh, I said oh, I said audit the votes. I didn't say relitigate. Re what what is what does auditing the votes mean? 
Well, you're going to you're going to go in and you're going to hand count the ballots and not necessarily rely on the machines. And then afterwards, you'll do a canvas to confirm the audit. And, and what is the end result of that? Well, the end result will show that when the Arizona Election Board in Maricopa County said that not only that only one illegal immigrant voted, um, that they'll show and then they'll show that the disparity in terms no, no, of but th what, what's the end result? Does it go to court? Oh, I, I think if well, you say I, if no, you he's, say he's right, he's saying he's, you're lit, you are relitigating it. That's what he's saying because you are. That's what you're doing. Right. I mean, well, I get, yeah, I guess in that sense, I, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know necessarily what mechanism would be if you were to find, so let's say hypothetically speaking again, let's say they go through all of those audits and things like that. And they go, Oh, there it is. We find, you know, the president isn't crazy just like he would, you know um, and you know, maybe Arizona should have awarded its electoral college votes to, um, President Trump. Right. And now I now I'm not sure what the, I'm assuming that it would have to land in the Supreme Court, um, because I guess to that point, there would be some litigation, but I'm not really sure what the mechanism would be. I think the end state would be, at least for me, is to see um, if 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 the audit now the audit could also show that Joe Biden won Arizona with even more votes and Donald Trump is really a big kook and actually Joe Biden was undercounted in Arizona. So Okay, but look, here's the thing. Okay. If you claimed that in uh, in Michigan with a democratic governor that they swindled some votes That could be plausible. But think of what you're claiming. You're claiming that in Georgia, where Donald Trump calls up the Republicans in charge of the election and openly, openly because we have the, the tapes, right, the, the recording, okay, tries to pressure them to find the right number of votes. Oh, and now, that's, I don't, that's. Harry, I love no. this man. I love your professor. Thank you for introducing <laughs> me. Thank you. Introduce me. You, you didn't hear that that uh, recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's absolutely. not what he, he did not pressure them to find the vote. First, I love when I love is that. So then I guess is the is the is that the same as the um, Ukrainian phone call that they have the transcript from? Is that I mean, so the, the reality is, is when you see the transcript of the actual call and not. No, no, no snippets, I didn't see the transcript. I heard the recording. Right. Yeah. Because it's a snippet taken out of context. That's no, not, no I heard the whole recording. The, the whole. I didn't hear 12 seconds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't, let me ask you, let, let, let's brass tax this. Do you think he won? Uh, do you think Biden won um, legitimately? Think he won the election? Well, Absolutely. And the, the Republican officials in Arizona who called the vote and the Republican officials in Georgia who called the vote think so also. So, do you, so, so, I'm not so that's honest. why so that's why if you if your claim was um, no, no, the fudging happened in Michigan, um, you know, that's there's some plausibility. But to think Wisconsin. that. There are a number of states, right? But the places where all these audits are happening are states that 
where the election was run by Republicans. Yeah, and I think wait, wait, I think that's that means the fix was in. I'm being a wise. I don't really <laughs> that, but that to me is because that's where the Republicans have the control to start the audits. And that doesn't wait a second. And the other thing is, I think there is definitely a a uniparty mentality. And also that people are not. I'm again, sorry, a, a, a what party mentality? There's, there's like a uniparty mentality, right? There's, there's, there's. I don't know what that means. Well, it, it means that there's people in power, regardless of what their political affiliation is, and they're all kind of rowing in the same direction. So I wouldn't necessarily just because someone has again, I'm, I, I would be a, uh, I'm a lot more critical. With then to some of the Republicans than I am with the with the Democrats because a lot of the Republicans are um, just as bad, if not worse, than than your you know your quote unquote you know than Whitmer like in Michigan, right? It's like I kind of expect to your point, right? I kind of expect Whitmer to jerk everything around, but when I see the same style or types of discrepancies that I would see in a democratic state, maybe transpiring in a Republican state. That just means I got to scratch the surface further to see like, why to your point, why would, because it's not that cut and dry because there's Republicans in the state that are also adversarial against these other Republicans, like the Maricopa County board of electors is, you know, they're not, they're not going after the penal County, board of electors if they're all republican they're not going after all these other republican counties right it's maricopa now why are these people well, not they're going after maricopa because that's where biden got votes he didn't get votes in in the other counties you mentioned yeah but they're but but in other and not to because i i fear if i you start bringing in states and things gets convoluted get convoluted but you had in michigan for your example or wisconsin um, it was either Michigan or Wisconsin. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they had Republican counties that were undercounted and Democratic counties that were overcounted. And so they've had to start in, 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 in both counties. Yeah, but the, Marico but the Maricopa yeah, County Board but, is yeah, not. But wait a second. Of all the cases that went to the courts of overcounting, undercounting, miscounting, okay, not a single one was upheld. Well, it was never heard including by judges that were appointed by Donald Trump. I, that, what does that mean? I, that, what does that mean, though, really? That means that there were, I mean, so here's the situation. We have you saying there must have been fraud. We have, that's we not have, what I said. I said, let's, I said there could okay. be discrepancies. Okay, but the Republican, uh, the Republican Party brought to the courts Dozens and dozens of challenges saying this was done wrong. This was done. Okay. And the judges, some of whom were Democratic judges, that is appointed by Democrats, some were appointed by other Republicans, and some were appointed by Donald Trump. And in every case, they threw them out. Right. So okay. here's the, so, so, the, so then the question is why? Why weren't they heard? Why were they thrown out? Because there was no evidence. I mean, Somebody comes in and says, well, how do you, how do you, if you're so trying to, if you're trying to get your case heard, but they're not letting you hear your, your no, case, no. how do you, how do you present evidence in the case? How do you do discovery? They, how do you do all those legal? 
you've, you've got to show enough to get yourself to the next step. And in each case, the courts ruled this. In other words, someone could always say, um, I want to overturn the 2016 election. Well, they tried to. And uh, do you remember Donald Trump leaving office because of those efforts? No, because there was no evidence. Uh, uh, how do you know there was no evidence? Because they went to because didn't uh, it went. It, I don't know, because the Russians because they went the to Russians court and the courts, <laughs> because they went to court and the court said there's no evidence here. And the court said the same things. In well, I don't I don't I don't remember. I don't remember. Hold on. So I don't remember. To be honest, I don't remember Democrats bringing court cases to the 2016 election because I don't think that was the, the main contention. I think what the Democrats glommed on to was that it was a Russian thing and they did bring it to they did impeach uh the president under false uh pretenses with the whole russian collusion so they didn't even they no, didn't no, even they, they didn't they didn't impeach the president with the russian collusion they impeached the president um over something else over the what right. uh, the ukrainian phone call which tied right. to russian collusion, which is again nonsense but they used the whole 2016 election they pushed the Russian collusion angle the entire time of his presidency, which there was zero evidence of, yet it was well, complete. I don't think there was zero evidence. Uh, you know, so you think Donald Trump was an asset of Vladimir Putin? I didn't say that, but uh, when Donald Trump's campaign people exchange information with Russian agents. Who, Sergey Kislyak, when they met with Kislyak? When they give him poll data, and then when the Russians do um, various kinds of social media stuff, uh, doing so a social media campaign with poll data is obviously much more helpful than just sort of making it up as you go along. Um, now, do I think that made the difference? I have no idea. But to say um, to say there was no uh, cross fertilization between the Trump campaign and the Russians seems unlikely. Take, let's take another case. The question of uh, obviously it helped the Trump campaign that these WikiLeaks revelations came out at key times in the campaign, right? You know, uh, Clinton's. Uh, um, Wall Street speeches, uh, for example. Oh, what the what was that? Was that the Panama Papers? Was that no, one? no, no, not the Panama Papers. This this was from uh, uh, the hacking of the Democratic National Committee. Um, it that, wasn't hacked. It was Podesta leaked his own email. He got fished. His email got fished. It wasn't hacked. Called, that's a hack. Putting when you get fished and then going into somebody's computer system is hacking. Well, they, that's, well, that's not how they, wait, wait, wait. That's not how it was. It was presented as if this was under a secure server and nefarious actors went in and actively kind of like what just happened with the pipeline. Wasn't that the guy at the pipeline left his pat got his password fished. It was no, that no, they were it, actually, it they were legitimately no, no, it, it, hacked into through a different system. There's a different, I mean, there's a difference between. We, we don't know. We don't know how the, uh, um, 
how the pipeline system was hacked into, but it counts as hacking if you send them a phishing message and some member of the system responds to the phishing message and that then gives you a way in and then you can place malware inside the system and get the information you want. But here's the thing, okay? Roger Stone seemed to know the timing of the WikiLeaks leaks. So if the Russians provided WikiLeaks with these hacked emails, and if they're coordinating the timing with Roger Stone, who is part of the Trump campaign, that too suggests collusion. Okay, so let me let, let's let, let's go down this road then. The Russians yeah. did all this. What was their biggest benefit in the four years of uh, Donald Trump's presidency? Nor, nor, what, what, what was the biggest benefit that the Russian the Russians did all of this because what yeah. they just generally disliked Hillary Clinton? So no, they were like that. That is the the Russians. Every country makes a determination. Um, who would we like to see win the election? So then wouldn't the, the Chinese work to get Hillary Clinton in? Um, no, because I didn't think, I don't think there was a, a clear issue, a, a clear position, right? Um, Russia had been, had run up against sanctions over what it was doing in Crimea and Ukraine uh, Etc. cetera, uh, China hadn't become the, uh, the adversary it has now become. Uh, so in 2020, um, I'm not sure what China's position was. They didn't like Trump, but they may have decided the advantage of having Trump is that he is so divisive that he makes it hard for the American system to respond to external threats. Uh, so I don't know what, you know, which way China would have wanted to tilt things if they could. Okay. But on the other hand, Russia, um, it seems, uh, knew the sanctions that the Obama administration had placed on Russia. Um, and pretty clearly concluded that they would prefer to have Trump in office. That doesn't mean that Trump was their puppet, but what it does mean is they had a preference, they acted on that preference, and the Trump administration at least, or the Trump campaign, Roger Stone in particular, were not oblivious to that, that Russian activity and seem to have been aware of it and perhaps coordinated it, I, coordinated I just, with it. I just, I, I find that, that a country would go through all of that trouble to get someone in and then never really receive any benefits. Cause I think Trump also sanctioned the Russians and was also tough on the Russians as well as tough on some of our allies in respect to things that were transpiring with NATO, uh, Nord Stream 2. I mean, he basically lambasted the Germans for which Nord Stream 2 is still happening now. So, I mean, I guess the Biden administration had a chance to roll back right, a... 
but but you asked what did the Russians gain? Yeah, what um, did they gain? So, well, don't you think the Russians gain when NATO is uh, has tremendous dissension within it? Right, NATO was an anti-Russian alliance. Yeah, which is now what? It's NATO is, has nothing to do with Russia because Russia invaded the Ukraine and not, and they didn't even use NATO, which you should have used NATO technically. And I and you're I I mean I fought under NATO auspices when I was in Afghanistan, and to me, um, I was v- actually upset with the president that they didn't just junk NATO to begin with because NATO should be completely in my opinion, dismantled because it doesn't serve American foreign policy interests anymore. It's basically the Europeans are, um, and again, this is my opinion, the Europeans basically uh, use us as a slush fund in order to fund their defense, which as an American soldier, um, I really don't want to be fighting any European wars like there was like when they sent guys down into Kosovo um, in the 90s and stuff in 99 like to have us in the middle of all these operations. Um, and, and I just think that I, I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of NATO. I think NATO should have been gone. I would have been very happy had the president junked all of NATO. That doesn't mean there. So th- by saying that, I'm not saying that there can't be a new type of alliance, a different type of collection of countries. Yeah, yeah, no, and- fine. Fine. I'm, I'm not making a pitch for NATO. I'm just saying from Russia's point of view, when you asked what did they get out of it? Relations within NATO were never at a lower point than because under we, Trump. But so, from but Russia's point the, of view, but, that's good, right? But but Russia. So the problem is, I think, is that Russia is not the Soviet Union. Russia is not uh, pushing power out like they did when they were the Soviet Union. I I don't see that. They they're very involved in their regional conflicts, like in Azerbaijan and Armenia during that conflict. But that's because all that stuff sits at their border. And the Ukraine, it, the same way, is it sits at the Russians' border. There's obviously a very unique relationship with the with Crimea. Uh, the fact that Khrushchev had given Crimea to the Ukrainians, even though Crimea traditionally had been a Russian uh, naval, Sevastopol had been a Russian naval base since, I don't know, when they fought the Turks over it or whatever. But like... But my 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 point is is that Russia is not projecting this power out. Syria, where? Syria. Yeah, but oh, yeah, but Syria. But I don't want to be in Syria either. So if the Russians, okay. But I'm just saying to be in Syria. But the point is um, to say that Russia is not projecting its power. Yeah, but that's still technically that's like in there. That's that's the problem with the 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 Mediterranean. Is there? Is there? territory well i would say you're you're the the their traditional beef with the turks who now we've we've now pushed them together into working with each other uh, i mean that's been ter- terrible foreign policy in our part in the united states because traditionally that was i mean that was why truman i think pushed to get turkey into nato in the first place was to be a counterweight into the whole soviet union russia to um to uh, to use that that historical conflict, but yeah, I think the, I mean the Russians in Syria. What do they have? They don't have like oh, they have what? How many thousands of troops in Syria operating? I mean, it's a very minimal. And they were, I mean, they were invited in an Assad, and they wouldn't be there in the first place if we didn't go mucking up Syria by having our CIA fund Al Qaeda, and then our State Department fund the Free Syrian Army, and then uh, the Department of Defense fund another uh, uh, Islamic group, and then you know. 
ISIS being there, um, that that was uh, which I know was the JV team. But but uh, but but I mean, so it's like the, how the Russians wound up there is our own, uh, basically our own doing in the first place. Okay, try I, to I'm up. not I'm not. Syria is another uh, additional topic, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I just wanted to say that um, your your suggestion that um, Russia is uh, very modestly keeping within its own realm. Um, the realm is pretty big if it, if it goes as far as Syria. Right. Well, Syria, Syria doesn't touch Russia. It doesn't even touch the former Soviet Union. So, um, yeah, but the, again, the Russians have always been heavily involved in the Middle East anyway. The Soviet Union has. Right. But you said that, but your point was, yeah, but they're not, my point is they're not the Soviet Union. They're not funding conflicts all throughout Africa. They're not involved heavily in Latin America like they were previously. They're not in Cuba. They're, I mean, they're not that. Yeah. And there's legacy Russian stuff, but I'm saying their ability to project power. I mean, they're selling their, they're selling their naval ships on eBay. I mean, they're, they're not. How much? They're not. I mean, they're not a, a a. This isn't the Soviet Union. So this idea that Russia has this ability to project massive power, I just I, I just don't see it. I'm just saying I just don't see it. Maybe I, I mean, that's why I'm not in Washington, D.C. at uh, a think tank. Yeah. I guess. So, I mean, I mean, the thing about the Soviet Union is. Um, they have the. Uh, second largest, largest nuclear arsenal in the world. Um, that makes them a significant military player, right? I mean, uh, that's, well, I mean, uh, and 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 part of that nuclear reduction during the fall of the Soviet Union was the treaty we signed to protect the integrity of the Ukraine's borders, which we didn't do. So, this idea again that. Like Russia is this monster out there. We're not even following our own, technically our own foreign policy, our own agreements, right? And I guess maybe this is where the right and left, uh, where we agree on like how much we dislike our foreign policy, being that it's like all over the all over the map, literally and figuratively. Um, but but I mean, when you look at that agreement, we should have. I mean, technically, the Obama administration should have used NATO to kick the Russians out of the Ukraine. Based on that agreement, but, but, but what, what does that mean? You well, want to know. go to? You want to well, go no, to I, 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 no, I, I'm not. No, I'm not advocating that. But I'm just saying that technically, right? We're worried about we're worried about Russia and us yeah. not supporting NATO under the Trump administration. Well, I mean, it pretty much was a was a a a deflation of NATO when you're not even going to use NATO under the auspices it was built in the prior administration to go and NATO doesn't mean, and, and this was during the Obama administration, which uh, you say what you want to say. Um, Obama was like, Hey, we can lead from behind. He could have sent the French and the Germans and the British into the Ukraine and say, Hey, it's Europe. You can use NATO. We'll, we'll give you money. We'll give you ammunition. Go yeah, in so and look, take care of it. Look, so here's the thing. Um, the Russians invaded Hungary in 1956. 
and CIA radio stations in Europe had been beaming messages to the Hungarians saying, uh, rise up against your Russian masters. The United States will support you. So, oh, where have I heard that before? <laughs> yeah, so people, people rose up and Russians sent in tanks. And Eisenhower um, did not go to war. But given that the United States and the Soviet Union both had nuclear arsenals, what it would have meant was um, a, a war with massive numbers of casualties. We would have won in 1956. Um, we had you know, more nukes than them, but uh, it would have been awful for everyone. Okay? And so even though there was a NATO, we sort of drew the line, we said, we don't like what you're doing in lots of part, parts of the world, but if your troops cross from East Germany into West Germany, we're going to war. But we didn't go to war over Hungary. In 1968, we didn't go to war over Czechoslovakia. In 19, uh, uh, when the Russians went into Afghanistan, we didn't go to war. We provided arms to the Mujahideen, including, um, uh, uh, what are they called, Stinger missiles? Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. That's missiles. getting involved too, though, right? That's, that's being involved. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But you see, but there were certain um, rules of the game. If we sent in US troops to combat Russian troops in Afghanistan, or if we sent in US tanks across the German border towards Hungary or towards Czechoslovakia, that would have meant World War III. But the Russians and the United States both understood that Russia, if you just provide arms to the Vietnamese, but without sending in your troops, that doesn't cross the line. That won't lead to World War III. And in the same way, if we send arms to the Afghan Mujahideen, that too will not trigger World War III. Sir, I have a question for you. So yes. What was the difference with us and the UN providing troops in 1950 in Korea? Um, well, so in 1950, um, the United States, both Secretary of State Dean Acheson and General Douglas MacArthur, both described the US defense perimeter around the communist world as being island-based. Japan, Guam, Okinawa, the Philippines, and they didn't include South Korea in that, um, in that defense perimeter. When North Korea invaded South Korea, officials in Washington decided um, we need to stop this, particularly since 
just a short while earlier, the Communist Party of China had prevailed in the long running Chinese Civil War. So it looked like communism was on a roll. We're gonna stop it here. Um, Gary may remember this from our uh, model UN preparations, but uh, the United States went to the Security Council. Now the Russians have a veto in the Security Council. But, but they, bo they boycotted and then Taiwan was actually sitting in China's seat. Right. So we were lucky. They were boycotting over the issue of Chinese representation. So we went in, quickly passed a resolution. The Russians came running back, but it was too late. Um, and, but, but you'll notice that the United States and the Russians did not openly and directly fight each other in Korea. It turns out there were some Russian pilots of North Korean planes that we knew about, but they weren't announcing it and we weren't announcing it. So again, that didn't trigger World War III. Now, when the Chinese came into Korea, there were several points at which the United States considered using nuclear weapons. Um, in the end, uh, that didn't happen. Well, MacArthur got fired by Truman for suggesting it in the newspaper. Um, well, he got fired because he had uh, the he sent a letter to Congress. Um, uh, but but Truman himself considered nuclear weapons at the uh, Chosun Water uh, Reservoir when it looked like U.S. troops were going to be surrounded and slaughtered there. Um, but they were able to fight their way out. And so um, Truman wasn't put to the test. Um, in any event, um, so no nuclear weapons used in Korea. The uh, several years later, the Chinese and Taiwan are fighting over some tiny islands off the coast of China, Kwamoy and Matsu, and they're shelling these islands. Um, and the islands are very close to China and not so close to Taiwan, but they were held by Taiwan. Um, and the United States uh, threatened, under Eisenhower now, uh, threatened to use nuclear weapons. Um, and the Chinese said to the Russians, uh, will you give us nuclear protection? And the Russians said, you gotta be crazy for a couple of rocks sticking out of the water there. We're not gonna end human civilization. Um, and this was one of the major sources of the Sino-Soviet split and one of the major reasons why China determined that they had to build their own nuclear weapons because they couldn't depend on you know, the Russians to, uh, to bail them out. Thank you. I just wanted to put in the Korean War because uh, for most people, people remember World War II. And I have to add, today is D-Day, June 6th. As we started with that, shouldn't we have? Uh, yes. yes, we should have. 
I, and then people remember Vietnam, but a lot of people don't remember the Viet, the Korean War, unfortunately, other than the TV series, The Mash. So yeah, and and for World War II, we we have very few uh, um, survivors. So we remember that because it was such a big war, we remember the movies and the news and the stories. Um, Vietnam, there is still, I mean, my generation is the Vietnam generation. So we're still alive, barely, but. Uh, technically, you're technically. Technically, still alive. yes. <laughs> well, I, I think, I mean, obviously that shows that as under the Soviet Union, the Russians were absolutely projecting power at a far level far higher level than than as the russian federation today i mean that's clearly evident yeah i think that's true um but yeah so i mean i, I just don't again I, I guess going back to the original point i just don't i don't I, I just don't see why they they would go all that way when again it wasn't necessarily favorable but regardless um i i guess at this point uh, I guess the the big question, the next one, I, I it would be. Um, uh, so, do you have a statue of Saint Anthony Fauci in your in your in your place of residence or or on at at, uh, at school right now? I mean, what I what is what he had achieved sainthood already? What is your? Oh, they skipped the beatification. He is now an official saint. What is your take on COVID? What is your? Uh, Amen. Um, what, 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 what do you, uh, uh, I guess we could start in the beginning. I mean, do you think the state's handling this was overblown? I mean, just kind of your take in the last year, maybe you agree with all the policies that came out. Um, Are you vaccinated? No. I, I mean, then, okay. I was going to say, you don't have to answer that. That's a medical question. So we don't, you don't, you don't have to answer that, but thank you. Um, but no, I, I would say like, like what I could also tell you all the medications I'm on. If you want to, <laughs> no, 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 just Moderna or Pfizer is all I want to know. Todd, Todd took the Pfizer, right? Or would you take the Pfizer? Yeah. Are you all vaccinated? I am not. I am not vaccinated and I'm not getting the vaccine anytime soon. You get other vaccines. I have in the past. Um, I was say, I'm fully vaccinated. I, I have in the past. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. It's just with the spike, uh, with the spike protein. Um, I just want to see just more data. If this had gone through the five-year, um, you know, the four to twelve-year on average FDA, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of government. I want it to go through the government bureaucracy, like all the other vaccines and things of that nature. Um, and, then, and if, so if there were hypothetically, if there were a deadly virus yeah. that would wipe out the human race in three years and 364 days. Yes. Would you say, no, we must wait four years for the vaccine? That's a very, that's a weird question, man. <laughs> that's a weird question, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. Yes, probably. I'll take way, my chances. <laughs> Well, look, I mean, so what what people who care about public health say. Whoa. See how he say, does that? He used to yeah, do yeah, that no, that's in class not fair. all the time. No, you can't, you can't keep going after that. You got to stop there. We, no, we, we all care about public health. We all okay, care about so, humanity. But, so, so here's what the experts in public health say. There are trade-offs involved. 
And one of the trade-offs is how urgent is it to get a vaccine out there? And if, you, if the urgency was close to zero, then you could say, well, we could wait 100 years to make sure there are no long, long, long-term effects of these we should, things. We should do that. Okay? Right. So, so obviously you weigh- zero, So obviously yes. it's not- Yeah, so what you do is you weigh the immediacy of the danger and how well- but That's where the scary, that's where the scary part comes in though, right? Isn't that where it gets scary? Because so how, this is, this is a new, I'm fully vaccinated. You know, I'm, my son, I have a two-year-old son, professor. He's fully vaccinated. We know all these things have been tested. But and, va- vaccinated with other vaccines, not COVID. Well, yeah, yeah, not COVID yet. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not against it. I just, I, yeah. my skepticism is that this is, you know, sure. so new. So let new. Me, yeah, so let me, let my me parents are vaccinated. You. My sisters are, Todd is, like, you know, my friends are. Like, yes. Was, so, sir, let me give you my, uh, um, so I am fully vaccinated um, because of certain medical conditions I have. I thought that was the right thing to do. Uh, and quite frankly, um, um, Gary told you before the podcast began that I'm a centrist. I, my political hero is Ronald Reagan. So apparently now Ronald Reagan is a centrist in, in Gary's mind. So, yes. Uh, and because I took the vaccine, I think Carrie thinks I'm a centrist. No, that's I, I think I think Todd's leaving out a lot of discussions that we've had on previous episodes about how we've gotten down to the fact that Todd is a closeted liberal, which, you know, is OK. Um, you know, everyone eventually has to come out of the closet. And when Todd is ready to announce to the world that he's a big liberal, that's fine. We're we, we're I'm accepting. I'm an accepting person. Um, but no, I, I, I think with, and, 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 and Todd, you can, you can ex- go and, 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 and add to this, but I think one of the key things that Todd said was when we, when he first was thinking about getting the vaccine was that he, there was a fear that he had a fear. And to be honest with you, professor, when we were watching the videos of the people in China fall down flat dead on the ground. If I walked outside of my house and I could YouTube people or, or, or record on my phone, people walking out of their front doors, falling flat on their face and dying in the street, you, you bet your ass I'm getting about. I don't care what they're telling me. If it's like motor oil and, you know, something else, I'm probably going to take the vaccine. Lysol. Yeah. yeah and, and Lysol and, uh, you know, UV lights um, and, and bleach bombs, whatever. I would do it. Um, but the reality of the matter is, is that I think the Chinese, as we're starting to see, I've, I've, I've been a big um, advocate on the previous shows. I, I really believe that it was something out of the Wuhan uh, laboratory, the P4 lab. Um, I think uh, that the Chinese, um, I, I, I don't want to say we've talked about this before on the show. I don't necessarily want to say it was something that was released on purpose. I think there was perhaps an accident at this lab. It got released between the doctors or people that were working in the lab, got it, and they spread it into the local community. But I think what, what the Chinese government is on the hook for is the fact that they pushed that propaganda, right? When they were showing the videos of people who had COVID and they were like welding their doors shut 
And they really pushed that this thing was they really scared the crap out of a lot of people throughout the world. And I think we adopted uh, immediate Chinese strategy instead of actually using our own brains and the own um, intelligent, the very intelligent people that we have in our country to make our own decision. Because we've seen other countries that did do different things. Um, we've seen even here, um, the blue states that have lockdowns were still spiking when some of the red states that were also spiking but didn't have lockdowns, right? So you, I, I think that, Again, I'm not uh, like what Neil said, where I'm not an anti-vaxxer. If people want to get the vaccine, that's that's they're absolutely, you know, it's your your body, your choice. Um, but I think that should also be extended to other people. And again, I, I, I just think I, and I, I don't mean to rehash what I think about this because I've talked about this on the Let's show. Before, the professor just, thinks, cause that's we, what, that's what I'm saying. What, we know what you think. Eric. Right. And that's. <laughs> um, yeah, well. Uh, whatever exaggerations um, China may have engaged in and whatever um, lack of transparency they were involved in, um, there's no doubt that lots of people in Europe and the United States died from COVID. I don't think this is, uh, so, you know, the claim that- Well, we're not denying that COVID doesn't exist either. So don't, I mean, we, we yeah, believe that COVID, yeah. yes. Yeah, no, so I'm not arguing with you. I'm okay. just saying, okay. So, um, so uh, it's an un, it's a, it's a new virus. And so we're operating by the seat of our pants. And uh, so, you know, CDC guidance changes over time. Um, I wish they were perfectly knowledgeable and knew the future. Um, but, you know, they're doing what they can. So I don't think there was anything uh, wrong. I don't think there was anything malicious in there having said at first, don't bother with masks and then changing. Okay. I mean, so here's something I know. I typically get several respiratory colds a year. The first year I haven't gotten them is my quarantine year. Okay. And that's because. That's not necessarily I, a good thing, though. It's not a good why? thing. Because, why? Because you're. You're, isn't that how life, isn't that how we work, how we operate? You get your immune system. Like you need, your immune system needs practice. You need to get colds here and there so that you when, when you're when my age, all... when you're my age, you've had so much practice. <laughs> well, but that's not true. But that's not true, though. That's not true because it's, it's, it's repetition. It's not, you know. Yeah, no, but look, um, what I'm saying is the fact that my behavior, my changed behavior, because of COVID protected me from a whole, I, I didn't get a flu. Okay. I, nobody, know. nobody got the flu. Right, right, but, <laughs> but would you, so would you trade being in your house for, would you trade not living for a year? Or, no. No, but, but, but I, but there are things that I would think seriously about carrying over. So, um, I washed my hands so much less. I would have students 
in the past coming into my office, sneezing and coughing all over me. I'm um, sorry. And, Good for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I um, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, now I would feel more comfortable saying, um, hey, you shouldn't have come to school today. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, and in many Asian countries, people wear masks routinely when they have colds. Okay. And in also addition because to, the air pollution is just right, awful. Right. But, you know. Sir, let me ask you a question. Would you be in favor of wearing masks during flu season every year? Um, I, I wouldn't be in favor of mandating it, but um, um, maybe. Can I, can I, I might that? wear a mask. Can I answer that question? Not that I have the credentials of, of this man here. So well, here's my I problem. Have no, I have no medical credentials. So I have none. But, you, but, you, but you're a doctor. <laughs> I have but, no credentials. But, but you're a doctor uh, like Dr. Joe but, Biden. But, here, but here's my problem with that question, Todd. Not that you, you're, you know, exact question. But here's my problem with that. So they've been telling us basically that there's no flu because everybody's been wearing masks, right? The flu kills how many hundreds of thousands of people globally every year? You mean to tell me that just one year humanity had to wear masks and we would have gotten rid of the flu? How many how many millions of people would we have saved over time if if that's true? No, no, but the flu the flu um, changes each year. So right, there's a new. But, but if but if you but if you wear masks, if you're not if you're it, it, uh, but it's still a virus, right? So it still needs a host. So if you if you eliminate, right, but you it, can't but you can't wear a mask for one year. And think you've eliminated the flu forever. You've eliminated, right, but, but you you've eliminated right. for that year. You eliminated that flu because it's gotten that powerful because of if we if we decided to wear masks permanently, there would be no flu. Basically, that's basically how, how what I've. That's how I understand what what's been been said to us, right? Like we all have to wear masks, okay. and and nobody's well, gotten sick. And nobody's gotten no. Sick. But here's the thing. I mean. Um, why, are, why are all the major drug, um, why are all the major like Walgreens, um, CVS, they're all having horrible years in a pandemic? That's that's how is that possible? They're all having, you know, they're all way in the red because nobody's buying medicine because nobody's sick because nobody's going out. Everybody's wearing masks. I think all stores were. Uh, all retailers not, were doing yeah, not badly. Where you go, not where you go to buy shit when you're sick. I mean, that's that's you would think they'd be having they should the Costco's having great years, a uh, great year. You know, they but look, they, you know, I mean, uh, I'm still taking <laughs> I'm still taking my uh, my heart medication and I still get it through my drugstore. Yeah. Um, but they're not but they're not making money on that. They're making money on the Theraflu and the Tylenol and the Kleenex. And that's the, that's the retail stuff that they sell that, you know. They make billions I, of I don't know. I don't know enough about the. Uh, economics of the uh retail drug industry i just saw the guy the the, the head of the the cfo of uh walgreens was on cnbc and he was saying because they're having a horrible year and his answer was nobody's sick nobody's buying theraflu nobody's nobody's going to the drugstore so i guess i guess then 
when you when we look at it from a political perspective, do you think some of these states were right to really restrict people's freedoms and limit and, and pick winners and losers in terms of I mean, I would like to think um, I, I would say if, if I may be so bold and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say that your political background is more of a, a, a Marxist and Marxist background. Um, meaning that you've written a lot and I, I don't, I don't know if you're a still to this day, a, a dedicated Marxist, but I'd like to think that that's kind of how you've leaned in the past. And maybe I was wrong about that, but I would, I would think that perhaps the government picking Amazon, um, like kind of what Neil said, Costco, all these big box corporations as the winners and basically really swamping out. And we've seen with these COVID policies that maybe were unnecessary. I mean, what's your feeling about that in terms of juggling freedom and all those other things? Wait, but so, so which, which government picked Amazon? So, I mean, I would say that, um, well, I guess, I mean, it was an inadvertent, right? I mean, so when, when Walmart, He's good. Yeah. Well, so when when it wasn't that like Washington State said Amazon is going to provide everybody with these things, but it was that Amazon occupied a certain area of the of the market. No, no. Let me let me let me interrupt you here. So Amazon's not a good example, right? Well, Amazon's because it's online because it's online ordering. If you're worried about keeping people away. But 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 but, but no, but we're talking about governments picked. So getting to the professor's question, right? So governments picked who was essential services. So you still had to have all those factory or all those um, the logistic hubs that Amazon has all over the place. Amazon still had to be allowed to bring those people in to continue to move logistics. Right. So in that respect, the government was picking winners and losers because it said, OK, Amazon, you can bring your people in. But Mary Jo... But my question is, which which government was doing that? Well, I think it was the state governments, really. It was like the Californias, the Washington states, the, you know, Jay Inslee was picking. Jay Inslee had an essential work. So without revealing where I was working, I got a card that was given to me by my senior uh, leader. And that card was something that I had to carry during when they had the real hard lockdown in Washington state, that if I were to get pulled over by a police officer in the, in, in the driving to and fro work, because I wasn't allowed to go anywhere else. I had to go to work and back. If I got pulled over, I was to show him this document or her. Um, I, this, it? Uh, I actually, I actually do somewhere. I'll have to Bring dig it up. It. It's, it's, um, but anyway, so, that's a uh, well, eventually it started off as a printed uh, letter on letterhead you know, that was authorized by, you know, whatever. And then it became this card. And then eventually, obviously, as the restrictions went away, then it wasn't as necessary. But I mean, Washington State Governor Inslee picked who could go to work and who couldn't, who could who could have these authorizations. And so that's where I was immediately like, this is this is not fair to the small businesses. I mean, and then like, you know, the Trump administration, of course, came up with the PPP and all that stuff instantly gets abused um, by both the, you know, left and the right and everybody else in between because people aren't going to follow the, I mean, you see already there's fraud cases with people taking advantage of the PPP. And I don't mean to digress, but I'm just saying that the states picked 
or rather sometimes didn't pick certain businesses to, to, to have success and things like that. And, and then even in the beginning, right, I could go to the big box grocery store to get my groceries, but I couldn't go to the little, you know, uh, corner grocery store owned by, you know, the guy that lives down the street from me. Cause he didn't, you know, they weren't authorized to open yet. So that's who I'm, that's, that's who was picking those winners. It doesn't make any sense to me that you, the, 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 the hardware store down the street, you weren't allowed in, but I could stand in line at home Depot. That doesn't make any sense. It literally doesn't. How, how is that helping? Well, that was my question. I mean, that was my question, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. But so, um, you know, in, in, in my occupation, I taught zoom classes, so, you know, it wasn't an issue. Right. Um, but, um, so I, I don't know how it worked from state to state in many cases. Um, uh, if you were selling the same thing in a small store or a big store, it didn't matter. What mattered was what were you selling? And so, as I understood it, at least um, in New Jersey, was that Target was allowed to sell certain things that smaller stores could not because Target was also selling, and now I don't remember what it was, but maybe they also sold some food. And so food, if you were a, a food store, you could sell. So since Target had a, um, you know, a, a restaurant there or, or something. A grocery section. A, a, okay, a grocery section. Um, but if you were just a clothing, small store selling uh, clothing, even though Target is selling the same goods, you could buy them at Target and not there. Um, so that seemed to me uh, a case of uh, an unfair loophole that Target was taking advantage of. Um, but uh, so I, I think that was, um, you know, I, I thought mean, that was bad. Well, I'm just saying, like, from your from your political perspective, I mean, barring the COVID itself, I mean, was that of concern to you that the governors and the legislature legislators had power to do that? That really, I mean, to Neil's point, it was like, I could stand with 50 people at home Depot, but I couldn't go to the little lumber store that had probably six people in it when the whole thing was like social distancing and keeping people away. And yeah, they, I mean, they put tape out, but if people are bumping into each other in the aisles. I mean, I mean, aren't you, from a freedom per did that concern i mean maybe the answer is no maybe you were like no i was more worried about covid um so um, i don't really care suspend all civil rights not saying that you're saying that but i'm just like you know you, i mean from one extreme to the other i mean where i mean where did you fit i mean did that concern you um it concerned me of the, the unfair application did concern me um i was not aware of people going to um Home Depot and not the absolutely really. The, I'm, don't tell me I just taught you something. That's, um, how, that's how it was. Yeah, there's these hardware stores are closed down, but I could go to Home Depot till nine o'clock at night and just wait in line because they're the only game in town now. Same thing with Costco, which I love. Gary hates Costco. I love Costco. Same shit. Couldn't go anywhere, but you can go to Costco, Home Depot, all the big brands, Walmart, Target. 
but but um yeah so i i don't know i i didn't uh i didn't go to stores i wasn't going to stores whether it was target or uh whether it was um the uh big box or the little box um so i don't know what was open or what wasn't open right but, but that but, but, but i did hear about- yeah, the power to do that, though. I mean, isn't that? Right, yeah, we're not talking about your exact your exact uh, experience. It's more okay. But so, I mean, uh, so I think uh, that again, this 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 is a case where there's a trade off a trade off between um, freedom and public he- public health. Um, so, um, I don't object to schools saying, I mean, so William Patterson is probably, no, I shouldn't say that. Um, The faculty at William Patterson voted that they would like our policy in September to be that you need to be vaccinated to come on campus. Oh, is this this true? Is this real? This is true, but- but there's no decision as the faculty, the, the president said, um, I would like to hear what the faculty thinks about this. I got you. And then I'm going to decide on my own anyway. Um, I like so, I like that. Yeah. Um, it sounds like how this podcast works, Professor. <laughs> Gary wants our opinion and then we do whatever the fuck he wants. Um, so uh, so the faculty voted. Um, and I would say by, you know, maybe two to one in favor of requiring um, vaccination. And most most schools in New Jersey are doing that. Vaccinations from who? Because I get in the college setting, you're an Vaccina- adult. Uh, COVID adult. vaccinations. Right, no, but I, I mean, I understand in the university. So, I mean, I would, I would argue that they're that you don't have to go to that you don't have to go to university right so if the university wants to set a particular policy right you could pick and choose based on that but when you're when your younger kids are limited in the school settings to they have to go to the school that's in their district and you're i mean again you could also make the argument i mean there's charter yeah, so, and all so, private so, and others well so there's the, the the measles vaccine in in uh, in public schools right Right. Um, there are a lot of public schools that or a lot of states in which uh, public schools uh, require you to have the measles vaccine. And uh, you don't have to go to public school. You can homeschool. And lots of the homeschoolers are, in fact, anti-vaxxers. OK, but because there is a, a, a non-zero uh, group of people who, because of uh, medical conditions cannot get vaccinated. If you are just choosing not to get vaccinated, you are putting that person, the one who can't get vaccinated, at risk. And so uh, it seems to me that in that case, I would come down on, uh, and I do come down on, uh, that seems to me uh, a legitimate uh, interference with uh, with your freedom. So even if they prove that's that, a very fine line that you're that you're walking. There. Yeah, well, I, I I think you can't 
there's no general rule. Yeah. Um, you have to sort of look at each case. And um, I mean, measles, a- measles is potentially um, deadly. Um, but how they how they developed the measles that how they eradicate well I don't know if eradicate but the, how they developed the measles vaccine is way different than how how this you know came to be the vaccine for this you know like I I'm not I'm vaccinated for the measles you know what I mean why don't why don't they vote every year on a on a flu vaccine for all the all the students. You know, why doesn't, why doesn't the, uh, and I, I'm not being, if, if I'm coming off yeah, a wild, no, I, 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 I'm guessing, right. I'm guessing the reason is um, People die that, the, that the lethality is, uh, is lower. But I don't, I mean, I think in terms of overall numbers in the country, I not. think the, the flu, yeah, I was going to say the flu right. yearly kills the, and, and it also kills the same groups of people, right? The people who are immunocompromised, elderly, and the really, 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 really young, rarely, right? So again, that, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I appreciate your honesty. I mean, I think, I think that's, I think to me, part of the problem with all of this stuff is people aren't even honest enough to, to say what their position is. And that's an honest position that you're taking. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I, I should I, tell I, you that I I abstained on the vote. Really? Um, Why? Well, I abs- really? If I can because, ask. If I can ask, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I abstained because I'm not going to be there in September. Oh, okay. And well, I that's... and I didn't I didn't think it was right as a, a lame duck for me to cast what might have been the deciding vote. Yeah, that was good. I mean, that's which that's... would have been to vaccinate. <laughs> I I would have voted the way the majority voted, but. Had had mine been the deciding vote, I would have felt, uh, well, gee, I'm not even gonna <laughs> be there. No, no, and and so here's the reason it's actually a concern at William Patterson. Um, William Patterson, as, as is true of many schools, but especially at William Patterson, there's a uh, um, a serious enrollment problem, and so. What the president is trying to juggle is which will hurt our enrollment more. Will we keep out more people who would have come if they didn't have to get vaccinated but won't come now? Or would we keep out more people by allowing unvaccinated people to be running around campus and therefore keep out people who are nervous about the, uh, the, the health situation? Um, and so he's trying to figure out, you know, looking at the numbers, which is going to be uh, good luck. It's it's weird. It's like the universe. It's it's weird. It's like the university's a business. It's kind of weird. Well, it is right, Gary. It Unfortunately, is. everything is. Unfortunately, everything, you know, everybody's got to keep the lights we were, on. I thought we were Every, everybody's got to pay the bills. Everybody's got to keep the lights on. Yeah, that's I'm sure that's the number one concern is the lights. Okay, so um, we don't have much time. So, are there other topics we you want to briefly touch on? Neil Todd, I'll I'll hand it to you. Otherwise, I'll just keep rolling along. I not other topics. I could I could go back about a couple, but I also I I feel like I've said too much already. No, go ahead. I I wanted to ask. We were talking about Trump before, and I and I don't. You know, this is the first time we've met. I'm not a I I didn't vote for Trump. I don't have a Trump flag outside. 
but I, I wonder, as obviously I really respect your, uh, your stance or your opinion. The, uh, do you think when, when you're, when they say that he had more votes than any other president in history, more than Obama or Kennedy, uh, Biden, obviously I'm talking about that, that doesn't at least raise some concern for you. And, 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 and another separate, but question is like the, uh, you know, before COVID, I thought Trump did a really good job, an exceptional job. And I just wonder, uh, your comments on those statements. Um, yeah. So the, uh, the most votes statistic is not particularly meaningful because the population is also growing each year. Um, there, there was a greater turnout. So, you know, it was, that was good, mm-hmm. but, uh, if you worked it out as a percentage of uh, the population uh, of the you know, eligible voters, uh, it wasn't a record breaker. It was good, but not a record breaker. Um, in terms of my opinion of Trump um, before COVID, um, n- no, I, I don't think he uh, was good. I think he, uh, I mean, and I'm sure you'll disagree in many respects with this assessment, but let me run through it. Um, uh, I think he uh, appointed judges uh, to the courts that despite the claim that they're strict constructionists or whatever, uh, strict constructionists or whatever, um, they're in fact uh, pushing a, uh, a rabid right-wing agenda. Um, I think, uh, so, you know, we're going to see challenges to uh, women's health, to keeping money out of politics, um, uh, to voting rights, uh, to all these kinds of things. And that is was not just a disaster for his three years, but because these judges have life terms and he chose many young people, uh, they're going to be having this effect uh, for a long time to come. Um, the economy seemed good under him, but if you follow the chart, you see unemployment going down, down, down under Obama, and it continued under Trump to go down, but at a slower pace than going down under Obama. And um, his tax policies, you know, his, his tax bill uh, transferred a vast amount of money uh, to the rich, and in general, his policies were policies that uh, favored the rich. He claimed to be the champion of the, the working class, but time and time again, he opposed any policies and he appointed people to, who made sure this would happen, um, policies that would um, actually give workers safety, improve wages of workers. And the biggest disaster of all of Trump, though, um, was his role on the economy, uh, on the environment, um, and pulling us out of the uh, uh, the Paris Agreement. Um, we have a very short time uh, in which we can get the climate issue under control, and uh, it, and that really affects the survival of the human species. Um, and he sent us backwards. 
and his championing of coal. I love coal. We, uh, doesn't, I surprise love <laughs> doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. But uh you're, you're I'm burning grandch- some right now. I'm burning it right now. Just- we all are. We all are. <laughs> Your grandchildren uh, will not be so happy with coal uh, because uh, that might affect their chances of of survival. And uh, Elon sure, Musk and- is going to go sure. is going to put them on Mars. So don't worry yeah. about it, Professor. Yeah. Well. Well. So you're going to be working on um, electric cars. <laughs> okay. So uh, fortunately, you're not working on coal burning cars um that's, but that's you know, a, but a great <laughs> idea <laughs> I have, todd, do it todd do it todd I, I have one more question yeah do you think uh president biden and the congress should expand the supreme court um as a yes. political scientist i i do um the the supreme court has always been a, a problematic institution. On the one hand, you want something that's anti-majoritarian in order to protect rights against the crazy whims. You know, so if the majority says, let's have slavery, you want the Supreme Court to say, we don't depend on votes, we can say that's wrong. So you want that, but um, there needs to be some uh, effort to make it more closely tied to public sentiment and allowing presidents to appoint someone who is 25 years old and then they have the next 60 years on the court um, is separating the court from uh, democratic wishes um, much too much. And uh, I just want to say this one thing before and then and then we'll thank you just to on that point. Up until Donald Trump, every Republican Supreme Court nominated, I would say, starting with Reagan, every single one that of a Supreme Court justice that those presidents have appointed have been a complete disaster for conservatives and the right wing. David. Just we froze. Lost we lost them. A perfect time to lose them. Connor, um, the so you you have all, a control Neil that you can turn him off. Is that <laughs> it? That's how we get along so well. <laughs> can Can you hear me, or am I gone? Now we Now we can. Yes. Now we. Can. Yeah. Okay. So so no, I'm just saying that we will see when Neil, if Neil Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, if all those guys wind up being the bugaboo that the left always goes or Amy Coney Barrett, because John Roberts has been a disaster. And again, this is from a right leaning right wing perspective. They really haven't, I wish they would do, would do what you fear that they would do. Right. I mean, I wish that that was true. But the reality but, but, is but they, they, they already have. They've already gutted the voting rights bill. OK, so there used to be rules based on the Voting Rights Act that said states can't just change their voting procedures without paying attention to its why impact not? on race. OK, and why, like what? Like, well, I mean, why? I guess, because well, 
Well, oh, wait, wait, wait. They'll do what Florida did. I'm going to disenfranchise I'll, people. Let's let's say this then. Let's Doesn't say California this. Do? Doesn't let's, California have been doing that for 30 years? Let's let's say this. No. Hold on, hold hold on. I want to thank you, Professor. We're at we're at our mark. I but, love that. This but now that you're retired, we're yeah, gonna. I love do that we get, do we get a promise fact, for another show? The fact, the fact that this man was responsible for your education is just priceless to me. I love this. I love that he's so, your educator. I'm, I'm so the only. We, I'm, I'm the only. We, yeah, go ahead, Neil. We all have some failures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I listen. Let me, I'm one of them, man. But let me say this. So I, I've been. I say to Gary. I say it to Todd till probably till he's, you know, numb. I just want. I feel a certain way about Trump and about coronavirus. I just want someone to make me feel otherwise. And uh, you're the first person that's actually said some things that I. I really enjoy this tonight, Gary. I, I, I really like enjoy. I, I really enjoy, and I congratulate oh, you like on I, your retirement. And um, and uh, it's thank great. you. Yeah. And like I said, uh, again, um, didn't always didn't see a lot eye to eye in in the classroom with. with That's all uh, right. Well, that, That's I, point that, well it, okay, right? yes. And let me finish there making go, yeah. that point. Thank you. Finish, uh, but finish. I, I'm just saying that that this kind of discussion has to happen in a fertile ground. And my biggest fear, I think, going in the future as people start dri- gravitating to the hard left and the hard right is that these people who have opposing views aren't going to be able to come together. And like I was saying, pre-show is like, I, I do appreciate the professor coming on because he brings a different perspective. It's a well thought out perspective. It's yeah. a, it's not, again, not something that we would all agree with, but the fact that uh, you came on tonight, we really appreciate it. And again, like I was saying, now that you're retired, we can, we can hit you up for a couple more shows, which is now fantastic. we know where you live. Now we know where you're at, you know, but honestly, um, and, and please let us know, um, if you're, if you're writing something or, um, you know, or if you're going and, and, and working on the website, you know, if you, if you put a newsletter together, let me know, we'll subscribe, we'll push that on. We're on social media too. Um, I, I definitely think, um, um, that you have uh, some some good ideas and the fact that you're willing to come and have a discussion. That's what I always loved about you. Again, like not always, I, I am Professor Shalom's failure and I apologize for that. But uh <laughs> well I, <laughs> like I, a badge I, of honor. I, I thank all of you for uh giving me an opportunity to uh to express my views. You didn't uh cut me off or shut me down and uh yeah, I so it. I enjoy doing this. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you. Have a w- again, yeah. Yes, congratulations summer. again. Yes, have a wonderful Enjoy. night. And and you'll send me the link when it's uh, yeah ready. Yeah, yeah. Great. Absolutely. Great. Okay. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Have a good night. Bye bye. Bye. Yeah. So that's all right. So we're gonna have our episode in uh, at eleven o'clock. I think this was it. Let's do it, baby. I got so much to say. No, I, I mean, I mean it, though, when I when I say like Kathleen's father, who have you ever met Kathleen's father? Gary? No, who I think the world of and he he literally is. I'm not just saying this to prove some stupid point. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met. And he, he, he has this blind fucking hatred for Donald Trump. And he, he literally told me once, what, like when I was going at him, like I just was going at the professor. He, his answer to me was instead of giving me. And again, he's extremely intelligent. I think he is. His answer was if Donald Trump wanted you and your son dead, you'd be dead. And I just thought that was such an ignorant answer from who I consider the most intelligent people I know. Whereas, and, and everyone that hates Donald Trump says something like that. Well, you're an idiot. 
you're an idiot. Coronavirus is real. We're all going to die and you're an idiot. He was the first person, literally the first person from the other side of thinking that just sat there and listened and gave you intelligent answers. And I, I, that I really enjoyed that. I really did. Yeah. He, I mean, he was always good. Again, we disagreed on a lot in the classroom, um, but he was never a vindictive. I had plenty of vindictive professors who would give me a, a, a give a bad mark because they disagreed. Whereas I always wrote what I honestly felt obviously well-researched and in all of my papers that I would submit to him. And he never, he never, he never, um, dinged me just because I was, uh, um, I was a right winger. I, 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 and that you could tell by his, just by his fate, by his reactions or lack thereof, like he wasn't like waiting for you to finish your nonsense. So he could continue to spew his, he was listening. And then right. giving you why he thought you were incorrect, you know, respectfully. I really enjoyed him. I really, I really enjoyed the podcast. Yeah. And I think the other, the other thing that I like about him is kind of what, and I, and I keep going back to this point that Dave Pinson made, which is the horseshoe effect, right? So with Professor Shalom, there's always the horseshoe effect, right? Which is where as a right winger and as a left winger, where, where do we find the agreement? Right. And I really wanted to push a little bit more on the anti-war stuff because I it's funny. Again, he's he's a left winger. And obviously it was at the end of the show and he had to go. But my I, I wanted to pop pop up and say, well, wait. What about because you mentioned Syria earlier and things like that? I was like, what about his anti Trump not starting new wars and things like that? And I'm, yeah, I'm kind of no, that would be great. I'm kind of sure. And, and that's like I said, we we're, we'll, we'll follow up again. We'll have the professor on again. Um, hopefully he's since he has some time, if he's if we're not cutting into his writing and research time, he'll have to start paying him. Gary. He'll, he'll so did you guys see? Uh, I didn't see it. Did you guys see 60 minutes tonight? Uh, no, I didn't. Get it was a about the, the title was about. Um, if if uh, COVID was created in a lab in China, by the way, Gary, uh, 60 minutes is starting on the West Coast right now. Okay. It's about COVID and, and Wuhan and, and uh, so, yeah. So you, do you guys want to play another uh, around or are we calling it a night? I think we'll, I think we'll call it. That was a good episode. Some great content. We can try to do something maybe later in the week. I can't. I'll be out of town until. Oh, okay. Friday. Yeah. And then, uh, well, we do we have do our. Around. We got to do we have right our now. other guest. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do oh. this weekend. Just too much stuff going on. Um, don't want to get into it. Um, but uh, but yeah, so um, but I will follow up. We'll hopefully have Eduardus on again from reporting in from Lithuania. We can talk about get some more in on the next episode. Well, whichever first available episode is coming. Yeah, up. so we'll we'll we'll, get, well, we can always get Jay on too with um. Ed, I mean, that's not an issue, but that that'll probably be more of a economic focused uh, episode of just kind of I would love to know what's going on with like inflation Jay, and Bitcoin and all that other good stuff. Jay so. It would be better for the uh, the Fauci, the email leaks. That's what yeah. uh, that's what Jay Jay's, you know, he's tracking that right now. So fa- yeah. Fantastic. OK, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's good. It's always good to have more things to do than less. Um, so, so yeah, we'll try to, I know th- this week might be difficult. There's a lot of moving pieces. Todd and I are, 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 are will be in transit. Um, so Todd, where are you going? 
the Washington Coast. Nice. Yeah, to visit family. So very, very nice, very nice. The cliffs. Exactly. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I guess I'll let you boys go. I'm, I thought I just assumed we would be cooking with cooking with gas right now, Gare Bear. I assume we were gonna upshift. Yeah, well, I I need this time. I, you got I gotta get things a, going on. I know. I got I know, a lot of I stuff know. going on. I so I appreciate you guys. Um, so let's just say, uh, um, thank you for listening to review the news where we make the news make sense to you. We had a great interview tonight. Um, you can find us on uh, social media on Twitter at Review News One Thousand. Uh, we're on Facebook. Um, we are on uh, all the other social media sites. Gab. Um, uh, where else are we? Uh, we're on like Google podcasts. Uh, we're on anchor.fm. Uh, just throw us in the Google search engine and you'll find us, uh, either, uh, well, look up, uh, review news 1000, uh, review the news. Um, please give us a, uh, a, a like and a listen and, uh, love your comments and everything. And we'll uh, get this episode up and out and, uh, I'll see if I tag, tag the professor and, Maybe he'll post it. Uh, maybe we'll get him to post it on uh, newpolitics.com. That'd be great. Um, we'll see what he says. It'll be, uh, he, I could see the title on newpolitics.com. It'd be like, uh, brilliant professor smashes right-wing fascist in the head with facts. Dumbasses. <laughs> with facts. So, no, he's he's good like that. He he would never do anything. I'm just teasing, obviously. So, but uh, but yeah, thank you everyone very much, uh, guys. Always a pleasure, and uh, I guess I will see you ho- hopefully next week. So, talk to you soon.